people, this is Tasneem and my lovely, brilliant comrade, Andrea Blackman. Hey, everyone. Hello. And we are back with Truth Be Told. We took a little break because we believe in breaks. Because rest is revolutionary. Rest is, and we are revolutionaries. Yes. So we took some well-needed rest, but we're so happy to be back. We've been thinking a lot about what we wanted to talk about once we came back into the studio and sort of initiated our return by thinking about communication. Yes. How are we sharing everything that has to do with communication? Our desires, our curiosities. Our language, our speak. Our language, our speak. And so I don't know about you, but I'm finding the in-home time, since we are certainly still in a pandemic, grateful for vaccines for those who've taken them. But for many of us, we are still in sort of a quarantine lifestyle, which allows me to spend more time listening Yes. Actively for the joy of listening. Just because you can't. No yes. response. Right. I'm just taking in language and the sound and flow and rhythm of it. And what are you hearing? I'm hearing my daughters say things like this. Girl, that outfit cute. Thank you. Period. Per. That's a whole sentence. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This feels like going to be part two of that suh. Kind of. Okay, I, I like yes, it. I like yes. it. Okay. And so every time I listen to them speak, and I have to admit, I revel in it. I really do. It takes me back to their first words, their first attempts at independent communication. Yes. The first time a child's gesture, pick me up, and you're like, oh, you know, this child, we're communicating. It's not a mystery what she needs. She's starting to speak for herself. She has voice. She can. So, she has voice. She has voice. And so looking and listening to them speak as their own crew, as this crew of sisters, and I'm sort of on the outside of their sister bubble, and I'm hearing different versions of English. And in some ways, I'm also hearing different versions of sister speak, like a language that just belongs to them. But it also reminds me of what it might have been like for my parents raising these African-American children in a culture that doesn't necessarily respect the language of African-Americans, language Mm -hmm. and vernacular that's distinct to the African-American experience. And so how do you, as an adult, be you parent or auntie or mentor or teacher, help these young people define and straddle a line between what is so-called standard and good and what is home and hood? Wow. Okay. And so I remember growing up with that. And so I have to say, I think I have a lot less worry and concern than maybe my parents did. So let's talk about the growing up. Like when we were growing up, what was that that coded language that we had amongst ourselves? I mean, our parents and grandparents were telling us one thing, Mm -hmm. how we show up in spaces, right? I know we had the list. Mm -hmm. Every family had the list, or at least I know our families had the list. When you go out in public, the list of things that you should do, the list of things of how you should behave, mm-hmm. and definitely how you should speak. Yes. Talk, take Which me back all, to Syracuse. My ears right now are all saying how you should act around white people. Right. That is all that I'm hearing at this point. Of course, when I was younger, it was just called acting right. Acting or, right. you know, when we go in there, you're not supposed to act a fool. That's when we're out in eight. public. You when know you're we're public. out in public. Don't act fool. Because there's a public you, and somehow there's a home you. Mm. There's mm-hmm. a communal you mm-hmm. that in my community, I am this. But when we get outside of our community, which in the reality of us looking back in our 40 and 50 selves, years old, that was proximity to whiteness. Yep. And how to stay safe. Right. Which meant under the radar. So let's not draw too much attention to ourselves. Right. Let's minimize the usness and take on a they-ness. Right. 
And so, yeah, so I remember that with my parents. I remember going to my grandparents' home, and, of course, in their home, there was homespeak. So some people call it Black English. Some people call it AAVE, African-American vernacular. But it was just homespeak. And so you'd hear phrases like, I ain't stunning you. And I remember my mind trying to figure out, how do you spell stun? <laughs> I didn't know it was studying because I didn't hear that. I heard, no, I ain't stunning stun you. Girl, I ain't stunning you. <laughs> so I think about those things and the way that language is rolled off us like water. Yes. So even if you didn't know how to spell some of those sentences, you knew the context. You, you can still <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then yeah. go sit down somewhere. Go, go sit down where? No, you, the, go, go back. Go, go sit down somewhere. Okay. Okay. And I'm like, and so when I speak about how do you spell it, that's the standardized brain yes. that says what's valued is academic. Yes. Hitting up against the experienced, lived experience brain that says how I feel it is where the content is. And how is. I communicate it with those who are closest to yes. me. So my As brain was that. doing this amazing yes. shift, which I have to say is an amazing skill. It's it's science, right? I think it is a constant shift. Always. That we have carried with mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. into this space now. Yeah. It's a fluency. It is a fluency. So, you know, going to sit down somewhere, I'm like, how do you spell <laughs> wool? That would be part. But I knew this. You weren't going to ask. No, you weren't. Huh. I mean, who Trying. would challenge home speak to your grandmother? Who would do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to say I'm here today. Because, because you did not challenge an elder. Thank you. Sir. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do remember feeling that. I remember my father and my mother paying attention to when we use the word ain't. And when I think about this conversation about language and we're talking about this this bigger term called code switching, yes. how it's not always just related to ethnicity. It's also regional. So being in the American South, the use of the word ain't and y'all for some people, regardless of hue, might have also been their experience Correct. with which part of this home language can I carry onto my college campus or into my workplace. We don't say ain't here. But as soon as we get home, we say ain't. Right. So my father would be, we would say, um, you know, I ain't going outside. Uh, excuse me. It was, I'm not going outside. It was, it was, he, he the was excuse me was. You know, your, your father and I Translate. are kindred. We are kindred. Translate. We are Translate. Kindred. I'm and sorry. What do you say? What did you say? Yes. And so once he saw that we were completely fluent, he stopped doing it. But for years, right. if we said, he ain't got no, excuse me, he doesn't have. Okay, good. And he was just checking for the fluency. That's all he wanted to know. He's like, he just wanted to know, not that he was putting one home speak versus this mainstream speak, right? Or this language that we're using, we're not at home. He wasn't putting one over the other, was he? Or was he just making sure that you were able to enter and exit and enter and exit at any point? I think that's the tricky thing about code switching. I think it does have an implied hierarchy because it says... What if we shook that up, though, Tasney? I'm just telling you my my view, my truth. Your truth. Is that what I got from that upbringing was the language of success, the language of access, the language of intelligence... The language of protection and safety was this language. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ain't. Ain't was the language of soft skills. It's the language of comfort, the language of grandma's lap, oh. the language of the porch swing, you know, country stuff. And so I don't think you have to be a sociologist to know that we're in a culture that does not value country stuff. Right. We value the urban, cosmopolitan. We value the scarf switched over your neck. Unless it becomes chic. I mean, if oh. y'all become chic, then my God. Then you go, then girl. You go, see, look at that. <laughs> so you go, girl, was home speak. Then it became trendy. And, and then, then it got it dropped. dropped. 
Because that's that's the whole that is the exact cycle there, that right? Is the cycle. It, it's home speak. Somebody left the gate open. Somebody came in and took it out of the house, or somebody infiltrated it, or somebody came and took it. <laughs> and guess what or we do? It. And now we're done. You can have you go, girl. We finished with that. Yeah, it served our purpose. It's done. Right? You continue to do your home speak. You've your contaminated yeah. it. So let me just see if I can offer another truth. Another truth. I'm ready. And I'll say, what if? I'm thinking about your father in the conversations and checking to see if you and your siblings mm-hmm. had it, right? Like, are they correct? bilingual? Are, are they bilingual? Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking of my uncle and the use of code switching, even though that's not what we were calling it. What did you call it? We called it infiltration. So He used the word infiltrate. infiltrate always. So what hap- how do you infiltrate any space, right? They don't see you coming. It is an act of activism. To infiltrate. And how do you infiltrate? Can we just if pause you, a minute I mean, for Uncle so, Daryl? So if you so that's why I'm like, so if I'm always thinking of this dual language and being heard that it's infiltrating a system and that's how you change a system from inside, but you have to be inside to change it sometimes. And if this is a philosophy that I heard, then my code switching is obviously coming from a different place. It's not inferior. No, it's not. In fact, it it's, actually it's is stealth. cunning. It's, it's stealth. stealth. And it then becomes superior. Ooh. Because what it also said to me was they're not even worthy of knowing all of the parts of you. So don't give them all the parts. Give them crumbs. Give them some nuggets. That's interesting. Let them see you how they want to see you while you are still calculating, while you are still planning, while you are still being invited to some of these places that is still close to proximity to power and whiteness. And it was called infiltrating. So that's I my like truth. It. That's I, my I, truth. I get that truth. Yeah. I get that truth. We still know it's an act of the oppressed to it say. It is because <laughs> you had to infiltrate. I mean, if there wasn't an oppressed, there would be no need for you to infiltrate it, right? So it's still the act of oppression. It is. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, it doesn't matter what, what kind of, you know, sequence blouse you put on it. It's still oppression. It just showed up shiny and glimmering. Yeah, that's what it is. It's called it's the Chitlin theory, right? Yes, I guess it is the ch- oh, Tessie. <laughs> keep going, keep going. It's the Chitlin theory. So we're over here. This is what we have to work with. These are our resources. So not only will we transform it and insist that it's nutritious. Hey, we're here still. So clearly, there's some value. Correct. We will also declare it a delicacy unto ourselves. And now the cycle. It has become a delicacy on social media to all of mainstream now. And so we drop it. And so we drop it now. Mm. Ah, love this. Yeah. And that, I think, overwhelmingly what Uncle Daryl and the Uncle Daryls of the world, and I am so impressed by your uncle. Every time I hear another story, I'm thinking, this man was intentional, which is they were stressing the power of our resilience. That's it. They were saying, you know, you're not going to see this ain't. Yeah. And and them. as your father was making assuring that you were bilingual, mm-hmm. and actually, and you're trilingual and quadlingual because you speak more than one language. And I agree with you. I think that's a strength. Yes. And so I can we can be in a space, and we are often in spaces, and without even a whole bunch of thought to it, slip into a we speak or a home speak or a sister speak, and then ease on back out. I think a lot of times I will listen to my daughters and think about how just an inflection on a word has an entire communication that we come from a people for whom the word girl can be said 10 different ways and have 10 different meanings. Correct. So if I come in here, I'm like, girl, 
<laughs> That's an urgency. That is what happened. Or girl. That's you should have been there, sis. <laughs> Same, Same word. Same word. Same word. Same word. And those who know, know. Right. And those who don't, we're not um, quite sure. Are you still speaking of the word G-A-R-L or what are we talking about? We're not sure. Yeah. You know, and so I love that. I love that Uncle Dura was saying that it, behind a nice juicy word like infiltrate. <laughs> no, because I think he would have probably had a problem with saying code switching. Yeah, because, or chitlin theory. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. we didn't eat chitlins, but yeah. Mm. I mean, great for those who love them. Yay to you. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> food is food. Nutrition it is, is nutrition. It is. But I, I love this conversation about the code switching. But you were going to break down, and I love the truth that you were going to reveal in that we've taken this word code switching and perhaps co-opted it because it makes sense for some of our communities. But it's not rooted in the black experience necessarily. It's really not. I mean, so we can come at it from WEB's double consciousness. And saying that how we have to operate constant battle between our minds and our conflicting selves. But then sociologists coined the term in the 50s because of language, mm. because of the multiple, this, this, this melting pot of people now in Western world. And everyone's coming with their different languages. And then when the white dominant workers, factory owners would show up. Then you have people going back, speaking into a different, their native language. So this idea, it had nothing to do with just people of color or black vernacular. It actually, in the 50s, sociologists looked at it as just language. Mm. And But there's still a level of when people spoke in their home speak, as opposed to the proximity of a dominant, oppressive, you fill in the blank. Yes. That's the reality of yes. it. And then we have this shift to the 70s when now we have in academia, we're talking about code switching because you find mostly black faculty or black CEOs or whatever having to figure out what happens when they are the only ones, mm. um, what happens when they have to pretend to be. This, this is just historic. So pretend to like golf, maybe before they did or did not. Who knows? Black people have been loving golf since the beginning of time. But there's this notion that in the 70s, there was this need to conform even more, mm. particularly in the boardroom, particularly in higher ed, particularly in the classroom. And I that's, get that. Yeah. I get that. I remember around that time they were talking about the cultural bias of standardized exams. And they were looking at language. Yes. And saying some examples were teacup is to saucer as boat is to regatta. You'd be like, what is a regatta? It's a regatta. Is that like the Who got stuff it? you put in a lasagna? Kind of sounds like <laughs> it does. Ricotta. <laughs> but like, okay, so these these cultural and socioeconomic all these biases get represented and misrepresented in language. Correct. And so you are perhaps what Uncle Daryl and, and my parents were saying. I need you to know what a regatta is. Right. Maybe you'll never ever. It's another way of the armor, another way of equipping you and how you are going to operate in a mm -hmm. colonial or Western it's space. Access. That is what Uncle Dero said. Everything was colonial, mm -hmm. right? And so if you look at a colonized anything, you need to be able to be armored with what you need to go into battle because it was battle. I get it. Yeah. What do you think the consequences if in 2021, so looking forward, if as a means of resistance, we decide that we are not going to allow our children to inherit 
some of that psychological dissonance where who am I here? Who am I there? What do I bring? What do I leave behind? What's home speak? What's school speak? What's work speak? Like that kind of, yeah. I feel like it's I, a psychotic kind of situation. It is. A, it's a psychosis. It mm-hmm. is. Like, I, I think our children have done a better job. I think each generation does a better job. That's just the cycle of life. I think our children, I don't think that they are at a place that they, I'm thinking of how the girls interact. I'm thinking about Ryan interacts with his friends. I don't see them processing as much as we have processed. Maybe because they're still young. Maybe because they're still innocent. Maybe because they've heard us say, you know, Ryan, hands on the steering wheel when you, you know, when, when you get a stop, you're pulled over, hands up here. So you're constantly doing this. You're going to go for the job interview. Are you going to get a haircut, son, or are you not going to get a haircut? What are you going to do? Are you going to walk in there? And are you going to speak clearly or not? Right? And so I think our children will do a better job, I hope. I'm hoping they do a better job. I don't know how, but I'm hoping they'll do a better job. Because I think they are so much more comfortable at challenging things that we were taught differently from our parents. Whether it's your father teaching you bilingual skills or Uncle Darrell teaching you how to infiltrate a system. Can we honestly say that we use that language and your children like, you have to be bilingual. And I can't say that I've used that word with Ryan when you need to infiltrate a system. <laughs> no. I don't think we've used that same language. But I think the, the impact of code switching is still with us. Yeah. But I really would love for us to move, maybe our children will do it, move away from this idea of, of thinking that it's all based on, and, and it is, it's rooted in power, it's rooted in colonialism, it's rooted in that. We get it. But what would happen if they claimed it, gave it a different language, reclaimed it? I don't know, make their home speak their home speak mm-hmm. and challenge anybody who challenges them about it. I don't know. I don't know how do you do that. And I think what you're suggesting, too, is that it happens without much effort or definition. This is what the fullness of time brings. Right. That language shifts, our feelings about language shifts, certain words become sanctioned while other ones are dismissed. Sure. That our children are more fluent than we would ever have imagined that we could have been at their ages. Yeah. That they're weaving in and out of situations and societies and cultures Without breaking a sweat. And I think for us, for our parents and grandparents, that navigation was based on survival. It was surviving. It was how they are going to survive. Maybe not that same level for us. Maybe it's what's convenient. I don't know. What's accepted. And maybe some of us aren't even realize that we're doing it when we do it. Hmm. I have a confession. I'm ready. Confess. I, uh... I feel the switch creeping up from my toes sometimes. Do you? Particularly if I'm in a very soulful situation. Yeah. If I get, the more comfortable I am, the more home speak behaviors and languages I exhibit. And that comfort is based on what? Is it the people that's in your space? Is it where you are? Is it how you are feeling? Is it the topic that you are just speaking about? What is giving you that comfort? I think it's a combination. Okay. So the topic, if discussed a certain way, And I put a lot of currency into things feeling like home. So if I just came out of a workshop experience I was telling you about, and it was, in my opinion, very theory-based and somewhat more academic than I thought it would be. And I remember actually, and this is me today, saying, switch, turn a dial, turn a dial test name, like, okay, up. Graduate school testing has to pop out, which means I'm like, you know, decoding language and like, okay, hegemony, right, hegemony. 
Okay, peace, demon. Okay. You know, doing all that and delighting in the fact that I could. Correct. Privilege. Right. I was um, going to say because it's open consciousness and code switching is a privilege. And access to education yes, that says is. this is regular talk. This yes. is not that sophisticated Great. for real. And you know the difference. Privilege. Privilege. So, like, acknowledging that, but also in that acknowledgement, it offers a contrast to what I'm naturally comfortable with. So one person in the workshop said, data informs where stories compel, stories convince. That says everything you need to know about me. You can speak all up here about numbers and stats and all kinds of studies, but just break it down and tell me what your grandfather said to you. Yeah. What, what did y'all talk about when y'all were sipping lemonade? What was it like when you were outside running in the lilacs or climbing trees? All of those kinds of those stories, those naturally pull me forth. So if I'm in an environment where someone stops speaking about policy and theory and they shift into to speaking about who they are personally, I will feel a great sort of exhale come over me. Right. And Which with that exhale is your comfort. And my language will start to shift and I have to monitor it because I, I want to go. Mm! And like, you don't do that at a board meeting, sweetie. And definitely not over the Zoom when you're not muted, Tessany, right? I mean, I'm just throwing, right. I'm not throwing shade. No, it's so true. I know. <laughs> How many Zooms have we been in where my little square lights up in yellow because I said, huh? And, I, like, yeah, huh. Mm-hmm. and I'm like, mute. Mute yourself. Mute. <laughs> now, you know what? Better yet, let me mute you for it. So that level of comfort. <laughs> I think that is so important when we think about it. It comes up and out. It does. And so part of me wants to judge confession, people for whom it's not that visceral, like it's not cellular. Like I will literally feel like I need to clap. Don't everybody need to clap over here? Oh, can we please? Can we please talk about that? Yeah. There was a time you and I wanted to try something different. Sure. I said, Tazneem, join me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the symphony. The symphony. Can we please talk about your need to clap yes. in box seats yes. at the symphony? Indeed, box seats. The skimmer horn, in fact. Did I pronounce that right? Skimmer. Skimmer. It's not shimmer. No. It's not the shimmer horn. <laughs> no. <laughs> so anyway, because um, I've heard it said that way many times. But um, thank you to the family that provided the funds to create that beautiful space. Yeah. So, yes, I think it was a violinist playing. I think it was a Black History Month celebration. It was MLK. Okay, MLK. Mm-hmm. And um, see, it's coming up from my toes. I want to say he did well, but you know what my brain said? He was amazing. He was tearing it up. Okay. Yeah. That would be the violin. So he we're was, in box seats at the MLK We're concert. in box seats, and he is tearing that viol- that violin singing. See, see, see what comes by, I get the yeah, leg. Yeah. So that violin sang it. And so um, it was silent, as symphony halls often are during performances. And so he's doing a solo. He was a solo. And, and I'm like, wow. Oh, I mean, my body's moving. I'm like, yes. And then there's a pause. And I go, yes. <laughs> and let me just say that pause and the clap. We were in box seats we were. overlooking people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all heads just turned. Swivel. Swivel. And mm-hmm. I just said, hmm. as did yours. Uh, of course. And you, through clenched teeth, said, Tessneem. <laughs> Tessneem, what are you doing? I was like, Ooh. Now, I know good and too well, like as that. you said. You said, Tessneem. Tessneem. And my lane went to I'm going to need you to pull that back. <laughs> that's what you did. That's what you did. And if you didn't say it, your body said it. What do you do? Or you pretty much your body said, girl, which is stop, stop it, stop it. Okay. 
But I remember feeling, and I felt this most of my life when I came to the age of observation, to say there's some kind of response in you that is inappropriate in certain spaces. In this space, when we are excited about something, we smile. We don't clap. We don't make noise. Because in other spaces, making those sounds is a message to the performer slash artist that you turn it up. Correct. That it's almost insulting not to say something. And I think it's it's some would say, well, those are just cultural changes, cultural shifts, cultural differences. Because right. the religious community is the same way. There's certain churches where if you don't have a tambourine under your seat or you're not making a sound, the preacher doesn't know <laughs> that he's doing a good job. That he's tearing he or, or they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I've heard them say, nobody's out there. I'm up here preaching alone. Oh, y'all must be asleep. Because they want you to speak back Call to and them. Call and response. They, they which is a direct African. It is cultural. It is so cultural. Again, and others, goes, I suppose I shouldn't go to a Catholic mass and say, no. what's in this wafer? No, I probably <laughs> shouldn't. That's neat. So we're talking about language. We're talking about which part of ourselves show up in this double consciousness, this cold switching mm-hmm. and the ability to do both, but claiming the power that is in it. I said we have to claim the power that is in it. And you're saying that's the power of? Me being able to do what I do, infiltrate whatever Uncle called it or whatever your father called it, but knowing that that's my choice. So it's choice. That's it's my choice, choice now. It's my choice because I can come to work with Bantu knots and a dashiki. You could. And how is Andrea going to be revered? She could. Rock braids for a whole year and dare anybody to say anything about it, which she is doing. You didn't start out with braids. I did not. And let's just, I mean, timing is important. Timing, place, and it goes back again to the infiltration. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to being comfortable and being in a place that you can impact change. And that, so what? What If I've shown that I'm, I don't know good at whatever x y and z doesn't matter if i say y'all i mean i don't say y'all because i, I just didn't go to a region that we said y'all mm-hmm. but i don't have a problem with people who say y'all i don't say girl because it's just not i grew up with the mother and now when i think about it who would say she didn't say the king's language or the queen's language mm-hmm. she would say what's well, proper english mm-hmm. right and it made me like oh so now i need to major in english because i need to know in this the correct articles, and I want to be able to so even that language—the the, the language of what's proper, proper, correct, correct—which was not always what you would hear on the playground or at Big Mama's house, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think we claim that power because I get to choose that. I love the claiming of power. I also think we need to tell the full truth, yeah, which is embedded in the whole conversation, and we are. Enjoying this exchange right here because all throughout this exchange, we are switching back and forth without even thinking about it. And so there'll be people who listen and are like, what? And they will be either in the bubble or out the bubble. They'll know the language or not. Much like if you watch, say, an entire soap opera in Italian. I think I heard them say the word pizza. I'm not sure. Might be a lot you lost. Great. But I think also embedded in all that are all the isms. Yeah. All of them. And some of the language that we assigned to certain cultures or regions are beautiful. I've met people, we went to New Orleans, and the use of the word baby. And how quickly you 
began to assimilate as Amen. if you were born and raised in the ninth because, ward. And you know why? It came up from my, the soles from of your my toes feet. Again. Yes, it came yes, from the toes. Like, oh, these are my yeah. people. Yeah. I remember saying to you, I think I could live here. You did. Like everything was so soulful. And so imagine a person who is steeped in that New Orleans, I'm sorry, New Orleans speech. Mm-hmm. New Orleans. <laughs> Getting into a job interview or something and they probably better than a lot of people have the switching down pack you don't say in a job and yeah baby turn to page three on my cv and see what i wrote when i no ma'am everyone's looking to see if they speak proper yeah and so i think that it does play around and can play around with your sense of self and your sense of self-worth and value i think the power you're talking about that you inherited from Uncle Daryl says, no matter where you put me, I'm putting myself. Correct. And it's exhausting. And you said we have to tell the truth about it. It is exhausting to constantly be trying to navigate spaces and to constantly be trying to figure out how am I going to show up, which me is going to show up today, when in reality, what I've done to erase some of that exhaustion of that switching is that all of them are me. Mm -hmm. So all of them, like we've talked previously, there's no one me. And so there's a me who loves going to Big Mama's house. I may not eat Big Mama's food, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. But I love going to Big Mama's house. You go over there. And play bid whist and play spades and, and listen to all the things and go to Augusta, Georgia in the country where my grandfather grew up. There's me too. Mm-hmm. But then there's also me who loves Shakespearean theater, who would fly all over the country to see a certain sonnet led by this amazing African actor who's Othello, right? So there is me too. So, but that becomes exhausting trying to figure out which me is going to show up, which language, which home speak, when in reality, I just had to say, they're all me. Mm -hmm. They all are me. And I'm going to claim all of that. So you get what I give you and let me see if I can make it work for me. I think there's definite power in that. Yeah. Because in the end of this, we want to be our authentic selves. And sometimes our authentic selves looks different around certain company. Right? Very true. Yeah. I think in the end of it, too, I want to be a communicator. And, and so like, yes. I just need to be able to walk into a space, and if the communication codes in that space require certain language, I love that in my toolkit I have those tools. So then maybe that's what we're asking people. How are we communicating? What's the tool? I mean, how do mm-hmm. we do that? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? How do we ask people to join us in looking at language and code switching and, and what's static and how we grew up in being bilingual and trilingual? and infiltrating and being truthful in saying where this all rooted from and why the need still exists for us to show up in certain spaces with a certain vernacular. That is true. I'm also curious, if I could throw another question out for people, is what words come from their home speak? I love that. That's the challenge. Like, tell We want to know, when you hear what word, does it take you back to... Well, for us here, we're talking about our parents and Uncle Daryl, and we, we've heard references to Big Mama and... and porches, but we didn't all grow up in those environments. So whatever, wherever home is for you, what is the language that signifies that space? What is, can I ask for you? Give me a couple examples. Oh. What word? Or you want to save it for another time? I love the question. So I know people will be mulling over it. Oh, I had an aunt, Aunt Sabria, who could call you darling, but make it sound like a song. And she said, <laughs> darling. And you just... I'd be looking at it. She didn't even call me Tasneem to come over here, darling. I'm like, oh. And like, again, how do you spell darling? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. But just, and I heard my mother use it just the other day. She's like, because darling. And yeah. I'm like, ooh. And it's just so, 
It envelops you. Yeah. And that was home to me. When I think of her, I think of how she always said, darling. Mm. Love it. What about for you? I I need to think about it. I'm sitting here thinking about certain words that my uncle and my grandfather have said and my mom. So I want to think about it. I want want to join that that list of our listeners and what Can word we, generates home. I love the word generates home, but for your family, I'm going to say what adages and what sayings generate. Cause you will say oh. like my grandpa Verda said, Oh no sayings. That's a different that's thing. That's included in All it. Right, so home, my grandfather would say my favorite one. You never let the same dog bite you twice. Right. That's number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a dog who gives a bone. A dog that will bring a bone will take a bone, Tasmanian. I don't know why my grandfather had all these these saying animal like with dogs. <laughs> right? And yeah. like some some yeah. anti dog yes. thing. Every frog has its own praises his own pond. Yes. That's another one. So yes. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. I grew up with all of these sayings all in my family. Sayings. So many sayings. Yeah. yeah. And that counts. An empty wagon makes a lot of you know, makes like makes the most noise. And I used to say, What is that? And my grandfather, like, that's just somebody who didn't have a lot of sense. They always are the loudest ones ever. A lot to say. Yeah. I love that. So what 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 generates home? Yes. Give us the language that generates home. When you're feeling like you need to switch it up with your speech your to give you that switching. home feel. Yeah. Tell us the phrases and the words that come to mind that take you right back to that place of comfort. Love and it. Familiarity. Love it. Until next time. Mm, this is Truth Be Told. Truth Be Told.